everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find me on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Justin Bizarro. And you can find this podcast at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in and, and coming in today and spending your... Uh, I guess about an hour with us in the audience. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks for everyone who's also listening into Scavendology with Elena Hamade and uh, Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast as well. So I want to say hello. Everyone's used to me introducing Deborah, so I'll introduce my lovely and charming new co host, Skylar Rabson. How are you doing today, Skylar? I'm good. How are you, Justin? I'm doing well, thank you. And today I have with us Marcy, which has been long overdue f- with Marcy's Pet <laughs> Foods. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing very well. So tell us, Marcy, like about yourself and why you started, you know, Marcy's Pet Kitchen and, you know, what has been the drive for you to sort of become an entrepreneur? Well, for starters, I have about 14 years in the ad industry um, and advertising branding. Um, that's where my trade had come from. And um, the, the uh, I have always had a love for pets um, and all animals. Just I'm just so passionate about them. Um, my um, I've always had dogs and I've always fallen in love with dogs and over the past few years um especially during when COVID hit and you're at home more and you're contemplating things some people get into their entrepreneurial spirit other people do other things and throw themselves into work I was be feeding my dog and I'm sitting here thinking and I've thought of this before but I never reacted to it in any proactive way but I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, what's in this food? <laughs> like, what is in this food? So um, I remember driving home from Starbucks one day and I thought of the initial name, Barkley Bites. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to start making my own dog treats because I don't know what's in all this stuff that you see at the stores. And that's where it began. That is exactly what had happened. And initially, Marcy's Pet Kitchen was called Barkley Bites. And that's a long story that we can get into later, but that's how it began. And I'm thinking to myself, how many other people are thinking the same thing and, you know, don't have the time to make the dog treats, want to purchase treats that are truly limited ingredients, clean and so forth. And that's where it began. And so... Have you, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family? I mean, was there entrepreneur in your blood? I mean, sort of just because, I mean, you sort of just leaped without thinking about it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of creatives do have a lot of things going on and we leap a lot. Um, My parents were both entrepreneurs. Um, My aunt is an entrepreneur still to this day. Um, so it runs in the blood. It certainly does. And I've always been extremely creative since I was a little girl. I used to paint, I used to sketch, um, and so on and so forth. And my favorite class was art naturally in school, elementary, all the way through high school. Um, when I went to college, graphic design was like the next big thing. Um, so I went to Yukon in stores and I remember, um, saying, you know, I should be a graphic artist. So I started learning all the programs um, and and things of that nature. And then I was able to get um, an internship by myself at Condé Nast. 
and the publication for those that might remember are Mademoiselle magazine. So I interned there. They offered me a job. Um, however, I wanted to finish senior year and I was also playing ice hockey at the time and I was on scholarship and I'm like, that's not a good idea to jump into the workforce. Um, so I was always very creative. I have um, over 14 years experience in the advertising industry as an art director and creative director. So it's very conceptual, which really helped me with with um, strategizing this product, um, branding it and so forth. Um and then, like I said, you know, I've always pondered and with the love of animals, like what is in this food? I mean, just it's something that you think about when you're feeding your dog sometime, like what am I actually feeding them? And then you don't revisit it for a while because of daily life. Well, that's when, like I said, leading up to recently, I'm thinking I got to do something about this. And it kind of took off from there. And so let's talk about the the idea. So you, you start off with um, Barkley Bites and, and you obviously had to change your brand which as an advertising and marketing person you know everyone's like oh my gosh this thing could be the death of me but you obviously <laughs> did it so I'm very interested to hear your perspective on going through something like that particularly as you're trying to build a brand yeah and you know there were definitely some hiccups I'm being like totally genuine here and telling you that I started off with Barkley Bites and the recipe started off a little simpler using like flour versus oat flour, which I use now, which is much healthier for dogs. So it kind of went through some phases and transitions. And then as I got really serious about this, um, I went to go trademark the name and there's so many Barclays out there that it would be impossible to trademark. So my brother also being in advertising, he's a great talented copywriter. We were like going back and forth every month coming up with lists of names and we came up with an awesome one however when i reached out to the um, trademark attorney he had said that the one we came up with apparently was already trademarked by a very large pet company so i'm like oh my god we came up with a great name but we can't use it <laughs> so i'm sitting there racking my brain for the next few months so in this time just to take you back um it's hard to promote something and brand something when the name is still in limbo so that set me back like about six months i mean it was rough um but then we had come up with the name marcy's pet kitchen and a good friend of mine had come up with that name in the very beginning, but I was like, let me keep exploring because you have to, as a creative, exhaust all concepts, all options, all directions to make sure you really strategize and pinpoint the proper name. So when I went back to trademark it, it was good to go. <laughs> so it was, it was a long struggle because, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's no days off. So you're constantly doing social media, you're constantly talking about your product, evolving your product. And I couldn't do that because I didn't have a name. And that drove me batty. As an advertiser, that drove me crazy. But I made it through it. Well, and it's good because I feel like your personality and how much, you know, you put out your energy just as a person that you are the brand also anyway. So exactly. Like it's a great fit. 
Yeah, it, absolutely. And, you know, once the name, you know, was was um, put together, I was researching more about the ingredients, which we could talk about later. And I evolved the recipes and kind of elevated them even more. So they were even healthier for dogs and still at a price point, which I can handle and, and the consumers could handle. It's, it's a very cool concept. And um, so tell me about some of your recipes now. You mentioned using oat flour. I mean, you're, yep. you're at the latest version of yourself and the best version of Marcy's Pet Kitchen. So what do you do now? What are sort of some of the snacks that you're offering? And, and let's talk about those. And then I want to sort of take a rewind back and talk about how you went to market once you had the name finalized. Absolutely. So... There are currently three flavors um, that are loved by dogs. Um, there's peanutty, obviously peanut. There's veggie bites, which um, include peas and carrots. And there is cheesy bites, which obviously would be the cheddar cheese. Um, I like, for instance, the um, peanut butter ones. They're made with very limited ingredients. Um, they're made with peanut butter, oat flour, eggs, um, chicken broth. And that's it. I mean, they're very limited. I add what's very important that I added to also strategize and make a little um, name for myself is I added to the, the bites pre and probiotics. So it's easier on the stomach. Of course, we don't make health claims, but I mean, probiotics and prebiotics are known to help with digestion and they have a lot of different um you know, effects in the metabolism, things of that nature. So we added that in there for an extra benefit for dogs because there's a lot of dogs that have trouble digesting things. And some things are so, so limited that we don't even know, you know, it's just every so often our dog's tummy's bothering them, you know. So we added probiotics to them. And, um, you know, it's turning out great. And, like, I've gotten testimonials from people whose dogs – there's two clients that I have whose dogs have pancreatitis and it's the only treat that can fit like well in their stomach that can, you know, digest well and they're not throwing up and they're not, you know, going to the bathroom like horribly. So, you know, I take it as a very positive things and extremely seriously to get these testimonials from people. It's amazing. So <clears throat> Once you once you had the product down and you've now listened to people who listen to the concerns over the dogs, you know, stomachs, you've got this product down. How did you I mean, as a marketing advertising person, how do you take this to market then? How do you brand something that's never been out there before? Well, it's very instinctive. Um, as a creative, a lot of it's your intuition. And with the help of my brother and a phenomenal best friend. I, I call her my CEO of um, strategy and so forth. She's amazing, Kate Kaminsky. Like we work together and we put together packaging, for instance. So we have the name down Marcy's Pet Kitchen. And instinctively, we wanted a scruffy dog on the packaging. Like I have Barkley, who's a silver lab. And everyone's like, why don't you put Barkley on it? Because, you know, that's great. And Barkley's so adorable. He's my quality control specialist here at the company in the taste tester. But, you know, for, for branding, a good scruffy dog 
is adorable. I mean, it's like lovable. It's got personality. And so we use that on the front. Um, I did a lot of research with colors regarding pet treats and what's on market and what attracts people that are, you know, environmentally conscious and are into like health food. Um, and I researched and I liked the colors that were coming up. They're very muted, soft, not quite pastel, but like blue for peanut green for veggie and the obviously like a light orange for the cheese um and the logo was very instinctual it's a fun name marcy's pet kitchen so the font's gotta be fun i mean people when they're going to stores are very visual they don't only look at the ingredients which is important and the cost and how much you're getting for it but they also look like what what appeals to them like what might be like serious yet get whimsical i mean who are your customers you know what i mean and that's what you have to run with when you some people have to do tons of research for me it was research and being instinctively in tune with it i love it and i think that what you've done is so unique in that you've actually stuck to your guns i think there's been a lot of people out there that have come in and out of the pet food business um or in the so easy to shut down Justin, it's so, Justin Schuyler, it's so easy to shut down. You know, there's a lot of tests along the way that you have to pay for, like shelf life study, um, moisture studies, um, nutrition studies, and it's very easy to be deterred, you know, and that's normal. And as a human being, we understand that, you know, but I took it all the way. I want this. Barkley wants this (laughs) and the customers want this, you know, and they're our biggest voice, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't, couldn't agree more. I think we're seeing people become more conscious of their own bodies and then obviously more conscious of their, their pets and wanting them to live longer and what that means in terms of feeding them as well. And no different than food is medicine and humans. We're talking food is medicine and animals. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. important. I really appreciate what you're doing. So, I mean, where do you want this to go, Marcy, and sort of what are next steps and sort of what have been your hiccups? I mean, I assume you're packaging it all yourself right now. What does that mm-hmm. look like and how, I mean, what's the struggle like for you to grow right now? And, and sort Well, of- it's a very big question with a lot of like elements to it. So I'll just kind of naturally let it flow out. Um, the, the packaging right now is craft bags, very organic, very natural you know, because you're not going to do something, you know, that's not environmentally friendly when you're trying to push a product that is all natural. So this all natural product is gluten free. It is additive free and it is preservative free. So, you know, having them bake kind of a secret low and slow helps with the preservation of the product when it goes into the bags along with of course oxygen absorption packets which is naturally what you get in a lot of food products when you you know go to cvs get beef jerky or you know things of that nature um you know we we aim in 2002 uh, 22 i'm sorry to expand to large nationwide pet supply chains um 
also, which would be a huge one, is some all-natural large food chains um, stores. That would be great. And I'm actually pursuing that next week. So that would, because, you know, it's all a process. You have to be vetted and so forth. So, you know, the sooner you do this, the, the better. So that's our goal for this year. I mean, if you're talking about some hiccups beyond the hiccups that I already talked about with the name and so forth, um, I had a manufacturing company and distribution company in mind. Um, people were awesome. It was great, but found out that they didn't have a separate area to do FDA approved to do pet treats. Could they do, you know, human food? So I'm on the search and I'm asking, you know, pretty important people with resources, you know, do you happen to have some names for me or someone I can talk to um, so I can get this going? Because it's like the chicken or the egg. Like, do you have all the orders in to get to that level of manufacturing? No, but you need to still have them in line and have them take you seriously for a, your business plan, any investors. And on top of that for yourself, you need to know, cause if someone, you know, a big chain says we want this, you have to be ready, you know? So there's no one answer to that. Yeah. And I, it's an interesting thing because at a point, we're starting to see human-grade dog food. Yeah, um, and that's a certain trend right now, yeah. Yeah, and so it should be able, we, you know, as a, as a country or as a government, we should start to be able to look at that if we're being able to produce human food there that, and we're saying that it's human-grade food for dogs or animals or whatever, meaning mm-hmm. it means the same quality um, as a human standard for food, it would seem to me that we could produce it in the same facilities, but there is that still the USDA, dis- or yeah. sorry, FDA distinction. Yeah. And, um, but the other thing I find interesting is how many um, small manufacturers of pet food and pet treats have gone out of business during COVID. It's I a know. very interesting thing. And um, even small, um, small artisan um individuals like yourself it's just the covid thing really rocked everyone and yeah when people cut back on things i think they start spending less money on their pets also um well that's where you're like that's like i beg to differ on that one Mm -hmm. um one of the top industries is the pet food people there have been you know it depends on who your consumer is and it seems logical that they would cut down on everything however they're like you know they're fur children they're a member of the family and from what i've read in, in reports and marketing and so forth and even talking to other leaders in this um, field is that people don't like to compromise too much when it comes to their pet food and their pets you know toys or you know what whatever um, that's what I've come to know. And that was exciting to hear that. I mean, there's always going to be the consumer, you know, that's too much money. I can get this product for, you know, 16 ounces for $10 versus yours. But I mean, it depends on your ingredients and what attracts the consumer. Cause if they're into, like you were saying, it's trending right now with the almost human like food for dogs. And, you know, it's important. Like for me, we lost all of our dogs. We had um, Munson and we had Max and we lost them to cancer. And it made me wonder, like, what's in their food? We want them lasting longer and living longer and being part of the family longer. And so, you know, that also drove me, you know. 
but you know it really depends on the values of the person um if they if they choose to or their financial and i can understand that but there are quite a lot of people that will spend on their pets yeah and i'm glad you said that do you have a question skylar okay um because i know for myself i don't compromise for the dogs at all like they get their their food and they get their desserts and um, we get the bark box things, so they mm-hmm. get their bark box and and things like that. And we're very into the natural treats and all that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and um, and trying to balance out the dog, the you know this amount of money we spend on the dogs, which is a lot, um, because sure. they are for kids. Um, but um, especially now since we have a new puppy, and um, Aww. but so I. How do you then, because there are other companies out there and there are these bigger companies, how do you sort of then position yourself to market against them or to sell against them in order, and how do you sort of communicate that difference in your product versus them? Well, it takes time. I'll tell you that from being in advertising, building trust takes time. Um, it just does. I mean, you're talking over six months. I mean, that's just to get to the surface, trying to get people to like believe in you. The more they see you introducing the product, um, correlating it and aligning it with like stocking stuffers for the holiday or national biscuit day, national dog day, or for Easter, don't leave out your dog and, and, and align photography that matches that, they start to see more frequently and it starts to resonate with them. I mean, it's really hard competing against the big boys. And I think my mentality is to use my energy to be true to this company and then believe in the product and know what I have to offer for these families and their pets. Um, and when you stick with that, it's very, um, there's a soulful part to it. And you're not sitting there saying, what are the big guys doing? I got to do that. You don't want to compete like that. You just want to stay true to your company because you know, it shines through in your social media. It shines through with the people you speak with. It shines through with people that order them. And especially if you know them, you're following up with them. Um, things like that and then the word gets spread and being part of your local community is huge like giving back to them um, you know having them believe in you and things of that nature I mean focus on what you have in front of you but have the goals later and naturally evolve with it if that makes you know any sense to you guys absolutely I think that a lot of people try to focus on what the competition's doing or they try to study the competition to see what they're doing, but it never works. At least I haven't seen it as an entrepreneur, and it's never yeah. worked for me. I think that being true to yourself and and being true to your product, I think, is awesome. And, and that being said, uh, Marcy, um, will you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and, and online, sure. and where they can and how sort of they can find your products during the holidays? Sure. On Instagram, it's Marcy's Pet Kitchen. Facebook, the group is just the same, Marcy's Pet Kitchen. And you can find us at marcyspetkitchen.com. Um, we are in a few local stores down here um, in Tampa. Um, but like you know, and just had said, we aim to be in bigger chains um, as well this year. That is certainly a goal. And um, yeah, that's where they can find us. Awesome. So um, a lot of your business right now is is direct to consumer. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And so, yes. 
I mean, you've just basically built that off of social media and word of mouth over, over the last. Correct. Week. Well, it's amazing. Because when this, the company started out in the beginning as Barkley Bites, it started in December of 2019. And. I was gearing it to like people in our neighborhood because we have a large neighborhood. People love their pets here as well. And so I was extending this product to them. And then over the course of times it evolved, the price evolved, the ingredients evolved. And now I'm at a place obviously where it's set and this is what's going to happen. This is the way it, you know, is made and so forth. But we're always, always open-minded and listening to what our consumers have to say about about anything because you learn from them i know i would love eventually to do a pumpkin one dogs love pumpkin <laughs> you know so that would be awesome yeah dogs do love pumpkin that's very true um so i'm like i'm very excited for you because i feel like you're on to something and i feel like the timing's good because we've sort of had a shuffle in the world and sort of, you know, what we're yeah. seeing is, and and we're going to see is as the supply chains and everything start getting screwed up, the last thing in the supply chain when it comes to food, if we think it's screwed up with humans, it's going to get screwed up for animals even worse. It already has started. It already has started. I was listening on the radio and I was listening to them telling that, you know, if you don't see your food, it's because of supply chains. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest right now, like I'm trying to double up on how much um, non-perishables I can get, like the oat flour. A lot of my stuff is very fresh. So, I mean, like getting peas and carrots, you know, you don't want to get too much of them. They're going to go bad. So, and unfortunately, you pay that cost of convenience and having a smaller bag of peas, you know, and things of that nature. And all that will change when it goes to production. But, you know, it has to be at a price point that works, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, I I don't think it's for a lack of business opportunity that some of these places are co- closing. I think we're seeing a weird labor thing going on like I've oh, never yeah. seen before in my life um, where we just don't – where all the labor went or all the people that were working in food or exactly. pet food, where all, they all went. I don't know. Like it's like all of a sudden like poof, 300 people just disappeared. Way more yeah, than that, and but that I'm just makes kidding. It, yeah, that makes it very difficult as well, you know? And so it's an interesting thing, and I think I've talked about it on the Centurion Leadership Italian podcast, but on this one, as we're talking about it, and we're talking about pet food and pets, and it's, and it's more relatable because I think sometimes people, we can see how we can protect the innocent and those who don't have a voice for themselves and why caring for them is so important. But it's the same for the humans. Like, we're doing the same thing to ourselves. Like, the same chain we're destroying that's going to negatively affect our pets is the same chain we're destroying that's negatively going to affect us as humans. You know, regardless of what country you're in, when you start messing around with your own food security and how local the products you can get are, it messes around with health, it messes around with economy, and and it does affect you and your pets pretty negatively over the time. And um, especially because if there's not a supply chain, there's not a local supply chain, it means that local ingredients normally aren't entering your food chain or your pet's food chain. It means they're being shipped from somewhere, which means they're having to use artificial products or processes to make those products last those shipping You're right. And it's it's a scary process. I mean, right now, the treats are $9.99 and... 
I was at five ounces and now I'm going down just to 4.5 because it's still very competitive in what I say around. I kind of initially wanted to have these treats be a little, um, have a little bit more than the competitor for its money. Um, but like I said, like when you're, when you're creating these, pe these pet treats and you use your usual order of shredded carrots, fresh shredded carrots, the peas as well. I mean, if these things start to get scarce, I mean, of course, you're going to go out of business, you know, or you have to evolve and change your tune like, oh, we're introducing pumpkin cookies. But, you know, again, you're sidetracked because you'd have to go back and do the nutrition for them, the shelf life study. So there's a lot of pivoting you do, you know, and the ingredients like is like you had mentioned are very important. And, you know, once the supply chain doesn't follow through, I mean, you know, you're in a pickle. Well, and it's a very interesting thing, and, and one of the things that I want to emphasize amongst all of this is when we're talking about raw products and the way things are grown, like, we have no idea if everyone lives up to the standards we do. We can go inspect it or whatever, but it, it's very unlikely that you can go inspect all the carrots in the world. Like exactly. so, Exactly. Like, okay, but could you inspect a label on a finished product coming into the United States? Eh, probably. Okay, and, yeah. and but I don't know if you could go verify the sources of those products in foreign countries. Like that part to me seems mm -hmm. like impossible based on what I know about food. Um, mm -hmm. Unless the sources are verified and we trust the verification. But it's sure. like we make very strong assumptions that the rest of the world verifies their food, their sources, their farms. The yeah. same way we do in the United States, but we're a first world country that has layers upon layers upon over layers of government that regulate all these things, especially food. Why? Because we eat three times a day, roughly. Yep. Yep. And so now what we also do with that is we make sure that our pets and our animals are protected also through the FDA. But what we fail to realize is that when we negatively affect our supply chain, it negatively affects our food supply chain, which then yep. comes back to us and negatively affects us because if we start supplementing it for products that are outside of the United States in this case. Exactly. For and like you said, you don't know, yeah. you know, what their regulations are and if it's really verified. Yeah. And it's interesting. I find and here's a, a pet thing that I, uh, that I find interesting sometimes is I find sometimes that I run into people that are so they're worried about what they feed their pets so much, but they don't worry about what they feed themselves and their families as much. And it's and I we've know. really got to attach it um, the same thing and vice versa. Um, yeah. And so that's why, you know, particularly love doing this podcast with you and the timing's good because. I feel like the relationship with animals is so important for humans and leadership in the future and having biodiversity in our world for their survival sure. of so many things, regardless of where we stand um, in our beliefs. Biodiversity is important for the survival of animals and humans and plants. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being an entrepreneur as I am in food, I, I think it's really important that there's also pet food entrepreneurs and snacks is not only in terms of feeding our food, but in terms of feeding our pets, because it mm -hmm. matters that we have those relationships. So yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And so I got a little bit in the weeds there on the supply chain, but it's okay. I, um, I, um, I really enjoy what you're doing and, and obviously we've met and I think you're an yes. amazing person have an outstanding personality. So, and I really believe in Thank what you're you. doing. That's so kind. Thank you. So I, I mean, what are some of the things that 
okay, you've come from advertising and marketing. Um, what are some of the things you do now as an entrepreneur that you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming or, oh, God, do I really have to do this? Uh, I mean, I don't know okay. if there's anything Let's like that. Let's be real. Let's be real. Creatives are very right-brained, okay? I haven't really met too many creatives that are on the logical side. So doing all the business end of things, oh, my God, forget about it. <laughs> I'm just, I have to force myself to do that. I do. And it's something that's ugly, but has to be done. You know, yeah. I'm like sitting here like I'd rather be making the cookies. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather be doing a social media creative post in Photoshop and then transferring it to social media. You know, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> but it has to be done. My father's um, a wealth advisor and he's like, Marcy, this <laughs> has got to be done. I'm like, I know, dad. <laughs> so, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think anyone I think. You, it's enjoyable, but I think in some cases it's just one of those things where you're like, I'd rather be doing the part that's fun in the business, which I think is of course for anyone yeah. is the creative part. I don't think many like people that are the logical type are like, oh, I'm going to go jump off a bridge and start a business. So I think no. generally, <laughs> generally, no. generally, and then build the business as I'm falling and hopefully not hit the water beforehand. And yeah, um, absolutely. Um. But yeah, I, I find that as well. So, I mean, you um, you mentioned being an ice hockey player, which I just want to talk about as well because yes. we sort of went back. I mean, there's obviously a drive there, and that's something that obviously, I mean, I don't think many people can be like, oh, I'm going to put my daughter into ice hockey. I, I actually, <laughs> we have sort of like a pseudo stepdaughter type thing that lived with us for a while that was a family friend that Janae but she was an ice hockey player from Michigan but I do so I do understand but it's uh, it's unusual I would say so let's talk about that and what that was like for you and and how it prepared you maybe for this what you're going through now because I see the drive in you and the positive attitude but obviously something like that also helps set a foundation yeah i mean it was it was grueling but you know i had a passion for that too it was um a very aggressive sport and i I liked it a lot i mean i was far from the bass let's be real i was right wing i was far from the best but um i loved it it started off at uconn a while ago as um a club sport so we would get up at like mm, five in the morning be on ice by 5 30 you know and they they had this like makeshift almost like rooftop to it so you had birds in their nests like literally on top of you when you're you know on the ceiling when you're like skating and so forth and then they were doing after a few years they were doing like a title i think it was title 19 i believe um so excuse me if i'm wrong with this um and they were they were actually pulling in recruiting because they actually they wanted to put it into a a clear sport now UConn is going to represent ice hockey and so forth so um I was able to play my senior year with them and they were recruiting like freshmen and so on and so forth but I mean I loved it. it I absolutely loved it I mean it was grueling I'd be you know rushing to class after with a wet head the teacher would be like why are you late and I'm like I'm trying to balance all this I know on the weekends I used to work at um this pizza place and I would come home at like two 30 in the morning and get back up around five 30 to be on ice. Cause I know the times changed once it went to um, a regular sport, but yeah, we did land um, land drills, like about an hour and a half of that two hours on the ice, I believe it was. So 
we were working out. I was at my most fittest then. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. I think I was like a size two. It was incredible. But I know when I went for my internship in New York um, at Condé Nast, I worked like a few days a week. So on my off days, I would hop on the ice at Chelsea Piers and I played with all guys. And no one knew I was a guy until one kid wanted to fight me and I took off my helmet and clearly he didn't throw a punch, but yeah. but yeah, so I got better quicker, um, playing with, you know, that team. And so I was more prepared senior year. I know the, the Chelsea Pierce. That's awesome that you played hockey on those. I'd, I'd always wondered yeah, what that it was, was like. great. It's like it the great. Island in New York. They play soccer on all the time. It's more North. I used to see it from Astoria, from Astoria park where I used to live. Oh, okay. There's a park there and there's like four soccer fields in the middle of this island. I'm like, how do I get to that island? I never figured out to play soccer on it, but it's the I same mean, I idea. Used, I used to take my gear, and everyone knows hockey bags are really big, and then you have your hockey stick, hop the subway at, like, 8 o'clock, yeah. you know, at night, and then get home by, like, 11.30, 12, you know, when I was in New York. But, you know, it was it was great. It was so much fun. I mean, would I get on the ice now? I think I'd be laughable. Um, do I tried to get my kids on the ice, but they're not interested. <laughs> Mathis plays amazing at baseball and Bryson's more into editing creative stuff and reels and he edits and stuff. He's got a little bit of me in him. So yeah, yeah. no one's no one got on the ice in this family <laughs> except for me. So um, I mean, what lessons did you learn i mean how, do you feel they anything carried over from ice hockey to to now um just the drive when you have a goal you got to go full throttle but you also have to know when to put on the brakes and just ride with the energy that you got um and like like and that in terms of what i mean is like when you're talking about comparing to the big boys just ride your own energy flow and you may have to try to get in tune with it but for me, I'm very in tune with it. So I just know when to push things and when to hold back and when to remain status quo. And for a lot of people, I'm sure it's like a learning process. You know, it's it's one of those things you have to pivot. You got to, you know, pull back. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things you learn. Yeah, sometimes you get hit on the head and you need to take a step back. Sometimes I know. things are going too a, well. Yeah, and then you get need to in a like, fight. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I did that a few times back then, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you could, you know, pass on anything to another entrepreneur or Skylar who's sitting here as a sure. senior in college, um, you know, what would it be if, if you know, and, and what would be the things that you would want to pass on to the next generation, hoping that they would be entrepreneurs as well? Sure. I definitely, um, what I lived by since I was young was everything's a possibility. Like everything is an opportunity. Everything is an opportunity. And, you know, as you get older, you start to realize, you know, the power of no and just, you know, day-to-day -day things that you learn. But what's the worst that someone can say? You try to pitch your product, they're going to say no. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, why get anxious over things like that? The worst they can say is no, not in my store. Okay, thank you. Let me try to move on to the next person. You know, that's the worst thing that can happen. So for anything in life you want to go for, just go for it. The worst thing that can happen is that it may not work out, you know, and then you learn all about that, you know, 
So, and you just learn like how to, again, pivot and move and how to adjust your thinking and your mentality and things like that. I mean, my total advice is everything is an opportunity. Like when I was at UConn, they never had internships in Condé Nast. I would, I went out and got it myself. And from what I understand, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but they are doing internships now in Condé Nast from what I understand. But you know, I, I haven't checked up on that in a while. So it's just so cool what you're doing and, and your sort of spirit amongst it all, which brings me to the next question is how did you get from New York to Tampa? Because I being knowing both pretty well, they're totally different living environments. It's not like I'm one oh to talk and, and how I live and how you I've lived in, and being yeah. in Colorado from New York and now in Georgia from New York and, or yeah. even Maryland for that matter and the pace of life and everything. But sort of how did you end up there? Was it because you said you were working up in New York? So Yeah. So I was there for a long time. And then love brought me to Connecticut. <laughs> I, I married my then boyfriend. Um, and we moved to Connecticut because that's where I'm originally from. That's where he's originally from. And then we, you know, we had kids and I'd still commute into New York City, but it got to be a lot. And my husband's like, let's have a better quality of life and move to Florida. And I looked at him like, you got to be kidding me, you know, because that fast paced world, I thrived off of me personally. I thrived off of like the dreams and the energy and the pushing and the status quo isn't good enough. And I loved all that. So I said no. But then a few years later, I remember looking at my kids as they were getting older and I was just like, they need a change of pace. So we moved and it was really rough. I won't lie. I was it's safe to say I was pretty depressed when we moved down here because the energy wasn't the same. Um, nothing was the same. Um, but then I just brought in my own energy, my own vibes and, you know, still kept in touch with people in New York. And I just realized you can cultivate your own thing. It may take some time. You can cultivate your own thing. And, you know, that's where I am right now. There's some things I've realized. And I will tell you that I love this because I would 100% agree with you. I haven't lived in New York City in almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I still miss that, like, dream drive gung-ho like not stab you in the back stab you in the face i'm going to tell you i'm doing it too like just like gung-ho let's like just work through our shit to get stuff solved so we all can live our dreams and and very much more driven towards where we're trying to get to and there's going to be hurt feelings along the way versus the other thing so it was very hard for me you know when leaving it or not living there even in doing business still doing business in other states to get back from where not everyone's driven in the same way like that and i still you know and that's completely okay for them but for me and clearly for you it's very important yeah exactly and so um one of the craziest things i think is and i do agree with the depression or the lack there was almost a lack of purpose because it was like exactly oh you so nailed it and it's like what do i do now and like gosh i still have all this stuff but i am certainly not as driven or have the people around me that are as driven on a daily basis like just the energy of the humming of the beehive i felt like in new york And it's different than Chicago, and I've lived there, and there's something about New York City and that drive and that it is the land of dreams. I mean, people go to California, they're like, oh, California, no, but it's like, 
where both movies and business and immigrants and everyone sort of comes together built on like building their dreams and like there's yeah. not you're not mowing your lawn there is no lawn to mow because you're everyone's just like fuck it if i'm doing this i'm giving it exactly. all to my dreams so it doesn't matter if i have a lawn so to your point exactly. i get once once people have start having kids they've got to move out of this situation but it's that very very driven thing and i don't think many people see it and if you're an entrepreneur who's already highly driven that then goes into that environment and then yeah. feeds and thrives in it really really well yeah. Um, I think it's hard to come back out and be an entrepreneur and have it the is, patience yeah. for things to move or people to move in the same way because I know it, the reality is this, and I talk about it on the Centurion Leadership Battalion. And I'm glad you brought it up. Is that there's a different drive in people, especially when they're around other people with a drive. Yeah. And like in New York, it's like contagious. Yeah. yeah. And it changed me for sure. Like I was already a very driven person. But then put a person that sort of, you know, I don't know how else to put this, but take a big fish in a small pond and put them into New York City. And yeah. you're going like to Like if it doesn't spit you out, you yeah. got it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you're no longer thinking you're a big fish. And I know people are like, oh, go to Nashville as a country music thing. So I'm talking about the same thing. I'm just talking about New York being the precipice of immigration, business, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, people chasing their dreams, government, whatever, police fire people who are chasing their fire department dreams. Mm-hmm. New York City is the place to do it. It has the best benefits. It has the best retirement plans. So if you're chasing those dreams, everyone's like, that's the place. And it's also why you're the most busy, so you become the best. Yeah. You know, and if you're yeah. chasing to be the best, you've got to go put yourself in an environment where you're competing against the best. And New York yeah. is that. No, you're totally right. I mean, what also prepared me for all this stuff is freelance. So like many creatives, we freelance. Um, it's a way to be in a consultant, have some work on someone's logo, whether they're one-off projects or not. But you learn like business, pivoting, working with people, so on and so forth. And, you know, I did that in New York as well. And when I moved down here, it was like chirping. It was chirping. Like, I don't even have to tell you for anyone that's been through that. It's just chirping. Like, you couldn't hear anything. It was just it was ridiculous. I, you could find signed hustles or find projects there for stuff to do. Like I would, you know, I was in public speaking group and that got into an entrepreneur group and I was always mm-hmm. busy with stuff and that got me into like doing side work as writing copyright yeah. and writing stuff because I knew I was a good writer, but I was trying to figure out how to write advertising or how to get better at social media because yeah. how do I... I can write, but I can't portray it in a marketing or, or communication in a brief form because I'm long-winded, yeah. as everyone knows on the podcast. So how did I get my <laughs> long-windedness in writing also down to a form, which everyone's always like, oh, you need to write more and more and more, which is interesting because then you get in the real world and they're like, write less, 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 less. Yeah, right. Well, you got to think, people have an attention span less than a goldfish. I yeah. mean, like, you know, you got to get them in like a second. No, and the, You know, and, and really you, the copy has to mimic the visual to get the concept through, you know, so... There's, you know, there's some people that are just great with copy and some people, you know, have paired up in advertising with an art director, or a creative director. You know, I learned like back when I worked in um, Connecticut, I had an amazing, amazing creative director and he knew I wanted to learn because my goal was to be an art director at that time. So he would give me a product such as, let's say, Dove, and he would make me take a whole 
writing pad and come up with concepts on every page, whether it's the typical baby with a dove bar floating, like pure baby, pure soap, like that kind of analogy. I had, and you maybe come up with like three great ideas. And then from there, you fill up another one based on that theme of those three ideas. And you just keep narrowing it down and narrowing it down. And there you go. You know, it's a lot of work, but that's how I learned. Yeah, and the repetition of it, I think, is important. And, and we I don't think we understand that. Speaking of the attention span of the goldfish, I'll do another analogy there. But yeah, I think we forget what long term dedication does in the world and for our success, especially um, when we habitually do it, just like you said, it's just the repetitiveness of doing it over again. If you guys go back and listen to my first podcast, I'm sure they're pretty mm-hmm. horrible. You know, and I've changed Aww. the format a 1000 times. And I but try you have to figure the personality, it out. so it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and it took me a while to even have the courage to get on here, right? I had to practice public speaking, like I said, back in New sure. York and, and all of that stuff. And gosh, I do it in front of the employees all day long. And even that is probably harder than getting on a podcast, is trying exactly. to get in front of the employees and keep them motivated every day. Especially yeah, because your, your, your tones and the, the mannerisms and all that stuff comes through on the podcast. And that's what keeps people engaged, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And so I love this thing. And I love the thing about New York and sort of Tampa and what do you do with yourself now, which is, is probably also why you found yourself being an entrepreneur is what do you do with that energy? Because that's what exactly. it's done for me is that I've had to now take that energy and I've had to do other things. And if you're... An entrepreneur in New York City, you know that, or, or or in anything in New York City, you are so, you know, com- it's competitive, but it's also everyone living their dream, but it's also in a weird way that everyone's kind of so upfront that they have everyone's best interests at heart, even though you're like, uh, did he just really scream that at me and flick and yeah. flick me off? But I yeah. kind of <laughs> maybe I deserve that, but you know, like it's like like that type of thing. Maybe I. Sh- should be more mindful where I'm walking or something, you know, Yeah. but it's a little bit of the, this balance of, I don't know, it's a harder world, but everyone's trying to chase their dream and just figure out how to live their life in that small little island or, you know, five boroughs. That's why you have to be very like true to you. Yeah. And like, we're so true to our products and like who we are and who we, you know, keep on aiming to be and where we want to be seen And hearing back from our customers, like, you know, even getting testimonials with their dogs on it. Like, you know, I mean, we are so into that because it's it's very important because if you don't know who you are, you're unsure, then you'll drown, you know. So you really got to be owning it, you know. Yeah. And and I'm glad you brought this up because I actually just saw another, I'll just call them a health food company. I'm not going to get into it right now. But literally people were going onto their website and and interestingly as I um I looked at it, but they were asking for a product that they didn't carry. And the way mm-hmm. and then the way they handled it was poor. And then not only that, they then posted that they handled it poorly and showed everyone trying to say that this client's a moron because he doesn't live up to these high standards and doesn't understand that the product he's acting asking for doesn't meet the high standards of their website. And mm. I was totally appalled by this, by the way. But yeah, it was in an attempt, I think, to say, "Hey, we're fighting for a product and doing the good cause." And we're yeah, but the way the- it was handled was very wrong. Oh uh, yeah, and it's just like you know, if you don't, I like I said, if you don't go out and learn lessons like that, or you don't go into 
places like New York City or you don't jump off the bridge as an entrepreneur and learn your yeah. lessons rapidly by doing that. I feel like you make mistakes like that. Um, you know, and a lot of people that are given money by seed companies and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that don't have to work through the same thing you're going through or have the same marketing mm-hmm. experience or understand that jump too quick. I feel make mistakes like that. It's a yeah. shame because, you know, we now live in a world where people talk a lot about how much money they raise in the world if you're versus how much money they've made or how many jobs they create, which I find yep. interesting. But that mentality yeah. being said, um, you were talking about the client and the focus on the client and, yeah. and trying well, to keep it positive. They're and your so, whole business. You have to be open-minded. You really do need to listen to them. You know, if they're unhappy with a product, you know, you could easily, you know, send them a new one or refund them, like depending on the situation, you know, because everything's not one size fits all. But you, you really got to listen to them. They're they're your base. You know, they're speaking on behalf of their pets, you know. So absolutely. Well, and if they don't do it, no one is. That's what people don't exactly. realize. Is our pets don't have voices. Our animals don't have voices to us you know we are their voices for them as the highest exactly. being on this we're planet. their little advocates yep. yeah yeah and um and so marcy i really appreciate the conversation and the stuff with new york and it brought me back to to some of that lifestyle and like i said if anyone else feels that way if you move or your family moves or you move because of a spouse yeah. or whatever's job and you have that purpose thing going on like yeah. i can't tell you that entrepreneur is a solution you know plenty of people get involved no. in their communities yeah exactly um but i will tell you to find a purpose exactly yeah, i will tell you that i find that finding a purpose is, if it's a longer term purpose it's got to be longer term and something you want to do to make a difference whether that's in your community or whatever for mm-hmm. me i tried different things at first i got involved in a community i obviously my life kind of changed i moved to denver try to start new relationships um, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I got involved in a soup kitchens. Um, I That's was alone great. for holidays as transitions were going on. So I would cook for myself, like whatever, but do it. And, you know, I rebuilt my life. But what mm-hmm. I will say is you have to go back to the basics. And oh yeah, even if it's starting off in the community in your job or just going to play soccer with your friends from work or trying to find ice hockey in mm-hmm. a group in a new city, um, it is what it is. And that's how I rebuilt myself confidence wise because I moved yeah. out of it and I went through this depression and my life changed. But what happened is I use those things and now rebuilt businesses. And now we have, you know, better with bacon fat studios, for example, that's four podcasts under, and we'll probably launch two more this year. And that's awesome. And so are, is it making galores of money? No, we do them a lot for free. But the point being is that we have a purpose and we're giving mm-hmm. something back. It doesn't necessarily need to make money. And like uh, one of our, one of our goals is to um, donate to a second chance rescue for animals. Like when I get to that point where I can, um, it, it truly is something to have proceeds go to a second chance rescue because there's so many dogs that are so adoptable. They just need behavior modification. And I have such a soft spot, as we all know, for dogs and a lot of animals. So that's something we definitely want to do, like 150%. Well, and I want to promote this too. And I mean, we've got to be responsible. So I got to be careful because neglecting animals is like horrible. Like it's not oh, something God. you should do. Yeah. But like 
what I want to emphasize in in healthy homes and healthy environments that pets help consolidate families. They help bring families bonded together. They help give family purpose and chores and dedication, especially when we treat that pet as a member of the family, not as just a pet or a lower part of us. Yeah. They, you know, they eat with us. They they watch TV with us. They become part of our family. You know, it's an important dynamic. Friends for yep. some people that have anxiety and things like that. The the animal adoption went up like crazy during COVID because Absolutely. they need someone to talk to who's going to listen to them and not react. <laughs> you know, I mean it's it's a beautiful thing, but you know, after COVID really started. Um, Towards the end, the news news reporters were saying, you know, please don't forget about your animal. They're not used to you going to work. Like you could do this them to make X Y Z to make them feel more comfortable. So no, you're totally right. You're 150 percent right. Well, and uh, and it's true. I mean, and then we carry and people don't realize that there are the animals in our home feel our energy and our anxiety. Believe oh, me, God, way yeah. more than we feel it from each other. And and actually, if we stopped to pause a second, I think as humans and got out of our own head, we would actually be able to read people's energy a lot more and probably get into lost complicated situations if we'd learn to just quiet our mind and quiet our mouth we could probably yep, read people's yep. energy a little bit well but that is what animals do i don't care whether it's a cat a dog a horse a cow yeah. whatever there is they feel our energy and the way they communicate with us is not through words or things like that but they can read our energy very well and we can put that on them negatively and we can cause them stress merely because we're stressed and exactly you know so I feel for it, and I believe me. I, I neglecting animals or abusing animals is is horrifying oh my to God. me. It just, so. it just, I can't even talk about it. I get so upset. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. I can't even like enter the conversation about it because I get really, really choked up. Mm. And it's know? not a responsible thing, and it's not what leaders no. do. Um, but I, since I'm trying to be positive, what I am saying is that with the adoptions that are out there, with what's going on in the world, with there being you know, we've sort of, we're taking emotion more and more out of everything, which doesn't make any sense to me since it's part exactly. of who we are. I'm, I agree we need to be logical beings, but I also think that our feelings and our emotions are very much a part of getting to that logic. Absolutely. And so we can't erase it and we certainly need to bring more of it into our homes, you know, and yeah. if we're not our children aren't getting love from us as parents, not necessarily, I could argue we're not bad parents or good parents or whatever. I'm not going to do, but if we brought animals into the home that can love our children unconditionally in ways that we may yeah. not be able to right now, there yeah. we can possibly solve things that go on in this world that are affecting our schools and things like that. Because if you look at it, there's less pets in the home. People want less responsibilities and, yeah. and you know, we're, we're and thus less pets in the home it's less responsibilities we can tie it to other less things in the home in the united mm -hmm. states but i'm going to tie it to pets right now when you have less responsibility and the family has less responsibility and they have to care for something that's not human or that's sort of needs to be taken care of and depends sure. on them there's core values that are bit being built. There's responsibility mm -hmm. and there's an understanding of life and death that goes and on. Empathy. Yep, and, and empathy. empathy. You know? That I mean I walls can... come down when you're around your pets. You Absolutely. know what I mean? They're like comfort. They're like, you know? They're Absolutely. just beautiful, beautiful animals. 
Yeah, and if we're going to survive in a world that needs biodiversity, one, we should probably get to know the animals in it, even if it's a dog or a turtle or a fish. Yep. One. Two is we need to know how to lead within it and what these animals actually bring to us. Like, okay, we can talk about humans and what we need and the highest thing and what our goals are and money and entrepreneurs, but we also are talking about, you know, as entrepreneurs, how do we then make it so we bring these animals back in the home and we make them a part of our home again? Yeah. Um, because it is important. And it is, it's, yes, we have these um, shelters and these. there's all these people volunteering and donating and some of them are doing well business-wise. But the reality is, is there still needs to be more people that say, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to adopt a pet. I'm going to eat healthy and feed my pet healthy. And therefore, I'm actually starting to build what should look like an echoing effect of energy, which is I'm going to eat healthy, my pet eats healthy, the world's healthier. Okay, exactly. like it's that simple. The world is healthier when I eat healthier and my pets eat healthier. Well, it's just like advice that mothers get all the time. My mom gave it to me. Marcy, you need to take care of yourself because without you, it's going to fall apart. You exactly. know what I mean? Because mom's... We all know moms do a lot. We yeah. do a lot, you know. Yeah. So if you don't take care of yourself, then that's where you end up. And, you know, your children need you. Your pets need you. Your husband or boyfriend needs you or your partner needs you, you know. So you need you need to take care of yourself. I really like what you're doing. And I encourage everyone to try your products, um, um, Marcy. And, I, and I'm going to you know i think eventually we can talk about how you know we can get the products out there more you and i are discussing that um sure the thing is is how um important what you're doing is and and one is promoting pets in in animals especially dogs and Mm -hmm. the second part is that you're doing it in a healthy way because yeah what I what I want to tie together here is, and I it's in my own experience, okay, and, mm-hmm. and it's when you tie together a healthy lifestyle that you you yourself do that then spills into your family, that then spills into your animals. Mm-hmm. You, it's that energy that you were talking about, and if you have that wave, you don't even know you're riding it a couple years later. You know, yeah. you're, you start seeing your kids do. A, excelling beyond their peers and you start seeing your family excelling beyond its peers but that's the type of compounding thing that happens and people are like oh it starts with a pet i'm telling you it starts with a pet i'm telling you it starts with a pet no different than making your bed every day in the morning you take the responsibility of having a pet and making sure it's fed well and also managing your work life to it which i talked about new york city right managing a pet in new york city having a dog will you're, you know, they're requiring 12 hours a day. Oh, so what am I doing during lunch? Okay. Okay. I got to walk the dog. I got to try to also exercise. I got to get back. I'm managing my life different, but I'm making Mm -hmm. sure that that animal survives. I grew up on a farm. I understand how much it needs, but I've always got to be extra cautious. I can't be like, Oh, 10 hours, maybe push it 11. No, I'm like, Oh, well, if I have time now, I got to execute the time now to take care of the dog because they're dependent on me. They can't walk themselves. They can't go to the toilet. They can't get the fridge. And so, what happens to us as humans when we take responsibility of something like that is, and I know we do it with our children, believe me, but there's a big difference when we see it 
that we raise an animal, we train them, and they don't, their lifespan is short and we feel that loss and then we yeah. do it again. And the love that we get from them during the process is something that we can't understand, whether it's a horse, a dog, a cat. Like it's very important, I feel like, for our connection with nature and for our soul's connection with nature. Oh, yeah. That we do it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we're responsible. Guys, if we're going to feed something to an animal or something, I get it. We want to keep them alive so they need food. Yeah. Point number one. But point number two is we're an intellectual being. And it's a little bit dishonest if we're like, oh, let's feed them this knowing it's bad for them. Yeah, and oh so, my God, I could never. That's like the beginning of this whole story is really, you know what I mean? Wanting, searching for things and just thinking to myself, like a lot of people like, what's in this? But then, you know, you go about your daily stuff and kind of forget about it. But then it just kept coming up. And I'm like, you know, I got to do something about this, you know, and that's where it stemmed from. And and I think, and I agree with you 100%. And I think I'm hoping that people hear this from the point of, well, one, go shop at Marcy's Pet Kitchen. She's doing the right thing. Um, and if you're a co-packer out there that does this type of pet food, please reach out to her. I'm sure she'd be Absolutely. interested in talking to you as she's expanding her business. The email that I have, I'm troubleshooting the one that's hello at Marcy's um, Pet Kitchen.com. The other one that I have right now is actually the original one that I was using at the time. It's BarkleyBitesCookies at gmail.com. So if anyone has any comments, feedback, you know, we're very open-minded here. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, wow. That was a very cool conversation. I appreciate yeah, it, Marcy. Um, absolutely. And I really, like I said, I think the donating to the 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 donations for the future and, and the shelters. I think that's really important. And I think that promoting people to adopt animals um, and get more involved in your community, this is a way to get involved in your community. And again, yeah. the benefits to your family, I promise you, if you do the right thing by the animal and your family does yeah. the right thing by the animal and you train those core values into your family, what it means to take care of animals. Mm-hmm. It's, it it's, I can tell you guys, as an entrepreneur, as person that's hired hundreds, if not thousands of employees and fired probably just as many by mm-hmm. mostly fault of my own, by learn, not learning or learning how to lead people yeah, and not sure. getting them right away, to be honest, is that I can tell the difference between people when they walk in the door, whether they were had an animal growing up, have an animal now or not based mm-hmm. on the way they handle things, especially the way they handle things that are out of their control. Because yeah. a dog is a, a horse, a cat, they're not you. And you really understand that life is out of your control when you really focus on that. They love you very much, but every once in a while, they're going to accidentally have an accident on the carpet. Hopefully sure. they don't, but that is that is life telling you that life is still... You only have so much control and take advantage of what you can have control over and laugh about what you don't. I mean, you want to be able to count those wags every day on their tails, you know? (laughs) So, you know, because that means they're happy. So, you know. And when they're gone and your family, you know, has that attachment to them and it's not anyone can say it, it's you have that bond as a family and you know what it's like to feel lost as a family. Um, and also then also what it's like to love as a family. Um, not each other, not something, something that you come together to love, 
together as a family that's non-human. And it's a very interesting experience that, you know, I never put much value into over the years. But after I've been in this business and and we've grown, Mm -hmm. I really got to tell you, it does make a difference in the way people manage other humans, the way they lead other humans. I mean, I would say like empathy is is the biggest thing, like figuring out your dog's cues. Like my dog's just chilling next to me right now, little Barkley. (laughs) He's such a good boy. But yeah, I mean, just like, you know, knowing what they need, you know, and knowing that they always will take kisses and hugs unless they're like the kind, like my, my previous dog, Max, like when he got older, he like didn't like people. (laughs) So, you know, but just kind of knowing their personalities are always there for you, you know? And we, and that's the thing. I mean, we could get a lot of modeling of that as humans. I think I understand that. What is it like to just listen? What is it like to just love something unconditionally what is it like to just accept someone okay maybe they just had a bad day maybe we don't need to take it so personally maybe it's not such a deep wound maybe it's just what's going on and we can take a step back because if you look at the animals in their life they experience all the bumps in the road with us yep and so but they they love us nonetheless they want our love nonetheless and they certainly give their love nonetheless and so You know, that's, what is that? I'd say that's probably the purest thing that we could do, right? Is be forgiving, um, love people, you know, even if we think they don't deserve it, what does that really mean? You know, how do we get above it? Because in a lot of ways... And those are people like that are really deserving of love, the people that, you know, don't really express it because they got a lot of stuff internally going on with them that they haven't faced. And those are the people that need a little more care. You know, the opposite, not avoidance, but care and understanding. Absolutely. So this has been an amazing episode. And like, guys, really um, look at pets, donate to your your shelters. Yeah. Support companies like Barclays who are trying to do, I mean, sorry, like Marcy's who are trying to do <laughs> the right thing. And it's, um, a, it's M-A-R-C-Y. C-Y. So a lot of people like, mess up the spelling. It's M-A-R-C-Y, Marcy's Pet Kitchen. And, uh, you know, I I support you guys because I think you're doing a great job and I really appreciate it. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening in. Skylar, you have any questions and comments? No, I feel like I learned a lot. That was a good talk. Thank you. I feel the same, too. You know, you're always learning. I know. It's true. true. Exactly. um, is there anything you want to wrap up with Marcy? You want to give us where we can find you again one last time? And Sure. Um, you can find um, these all-natural, wholesome, gluten-free, preservative-free, additive-free dog treats in three flavors, peanutty, cheesy, and veggie with peas and carrots. And you can find them at marcyspetkitchen.com. Awesome. Or you could always reach out to me through social media at Marcy's Pet Kitchen on Facebook or Marcy's Pet Kitchen on Instagram. Very cool. I'm very excited. Um, I really too. love what you're doing. And again, everyone in the audience, please, like, if you have pets, spend more time with your pets. Really um, have your family spend more time with them. You know, make an effort to go with walks as a family. I know it's hard, believe yep. me. But or you can works. cuddle them. They yeah. love cuddling. Exactly. You know. Almost you. Know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Max. Max didn't after a while. <laughs> 
but yeah. And if you're a new couple and you're considering having children, I can't think of a better way of getting used to having children than oh, having a puppy. Oh, we did that too. Justin, we did that too. And when we were like married, we got first thing was a dog. You yeah. know, a year later it was, was Max. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's naturally just fits because it's, it is the same responsibility in some ways and it does sort of ease your way into it. And Listen, I, I've got to say over the years, if you do it properly and the dogs are in your life, they're so part of your family that they're actually protecting your family along with you. And as yep. as in the world sometimes and as you travel and like I said, I've been all over the world and in New York sometimes, you know, you want the alertness of a dog and a dog's barking at a front door can save your family. So yeah, it's, no, you're it, right. it goes a long way. So I know before I had my, well, when I was pregnant with my first child, I didn't even know my dog Max knew first. He would sleep on my stomach and I couldn't understand why. But then we found out we were so excited, but he knew before we did. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, that was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old. I <laughs> know. Oh, it's those memories, though. And like I, and the other part is, like you just said, is for some reason when the animals are involved in our pets and we go out and do things, they create memories. They put us in situations or, or whatever. So, all right. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you guys. No, we really loved it. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Um, thank you, Marcy. Thank you, Skylar. Skylar, we're going to have to work on that talking during the episode and working on those questions. I'm going to have to slide questions over to Skylar, guys, during the podcast. So <laughs> we'll get it. We'll, we'll, get, it we'll get them we'll warmed get up. Comfortable. We'll <laughs> comfortable. Remember, everything's an opportunity, Skylar. <laughs> I know. I probably wouldn't be doing what he did at his age, although I did do a radio show a little bit. So That's um, awesome. College, so. No, I'm just awesome. trying to soak everything in and see how you guys do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Get more comfortable. Yeah, that's the best way. All right. Well, everyone in the audience, please share what we're doing. Share Marcy's story. Um, share this episode if you're interested in helping animals or interested in, in or doing the same thing that Marcy's doing. I'm sure she's looking for allies because this is important that we do this fight for our, our pets and we Absolutely. move forward with it because, like I said, it's more than just when we fight for our pets, we are also are fighting for ourselves in our own food chain. So yep. um, it's very important and it conquers a lot of uh, things with one, one stone, if you will, for the environment, for our pets and for ourselves. So thank you everyone for listening in again, please share, uh, reach out to us on social media at Justin, the food entrepreneurs. If you have questions or you're interested in being on the podcast, you can reach out to us there. Um, also, if you don't want to do that, you can reach out to Skylar, um, it's S Rabson, S as in Sam, R A B S O N at FSP98.com. And he can get you hooked up to be on the podcast if you're an entrepreneur. So again, that's S Rabson at FSP98.com. Thanks everyone for listening in and enjoy your Wednesday. Wednesday.